Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. We haven't had a chance to meet you yet. My name is Samuel. I'm Becca. Loud again. I I got more class. Were you waiting for the applause? Yes. (laughs) Good morning. Whatever. It's because she needs it. I feel I feel so far away from you. I know. I kind of thought that as I was putting that there. I was like, this is gonna be awkward. We can touch feet. Okay. Okay. There we go. Hey, well, hi, everybody. Good to see you there. Um, So we are starting a new series this week, and this is questions and answers. So if you haven't gotten your phone out yet, maybe get it back from your children or whatever you need to do here. But we're going to text in questions. And we've asked, and so we had a few that have come in that'll get us started. But if you don't participate, we're going to get out of here really, really, no. Um, We've got quite a few questions, but we really need your participation in this. So... That's how it works right there, 616-379-9293. Text your question in, and they'll pop up here. So that's why I'm checking my phone while we're doing this. And we're just going to dive in. And really, what we want to do in this is give you an opportunity to something that you're like, you know, I've, I've been in church, or I'm new to church, and I just really want to know this question. Or maybe you've been here a long time, and you're like, I've heard some great things, but I haven't really heard on this this particular subject. This is just a time for you to go ahead and ask those questions. And we're going to get started, but a little bit of framework of how we're going to answer them is whenever we answer questions, what we want to do is the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible. And we want to find a scripture that discusses or answers a question directly. And then if we can't find that, then we're going to look for a biblical principle. And we're going to look for a biblical principle that covers what we're talking about. And then if we can't find that, I'll give you my opinion. And again, yeah, that's about worth the price you paid to get in here. Um, Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. But the Word of God is really what we were wanting to look at, and that's where we're going to go. And uh, let's just go ahead and get started. For the first question, what do we have here? We have an iPad that needs to open. All right, so the very first question that we have was this, is how do you explain the Trinity that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are the same, especially to children, but also to anyone. And I'll start off with this one. And you can add anything, just interrupt any time, okay? Okay. Love it. So anytime you're going to explain something, um, especially to children, you're going to want to go to the Bible. So find a verse in the Bible that talks about God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, You could talk about John and the Baptist. John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus, and God spoke from heaven as the Holy Spirit ascended in the form of a dove. And you could say that there's three. I might even read it with my kids, depending on how old they are that I'm talking about. We would look at it together, and I'm like, there's three of them. And they're like, yep, there's three. If they're too young, they might say two. But yeah, there's three of them. So there's the three, and then I would say, okay, so now that we know that there's three, I'd say, I'm your dad, right? They're like, yep. And now some of them know that I also have a name, Samuel. And they're like, yep, well, I'm dad. I'm Samuel. I'm a carpenter. I'm a boss. I'm a, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, yeah, well, God is three in one. And that would be one of the ways that I would address it with our kids. Um, would you add anything to that? Yeah, um, just kind of a little word picture that has helped me, and this is more because I'm musical, but um, when it comes to the Trinity, 
one way that I heard it said was, it's like a chord. So um, you have a C chord, which is three different notes, and they are three distinct notes, C, E, G, but they make up the chord only when they're all played together. And so that's, that's one way that I found the Trinity to be explainable to kids. And it is, it's just so important that we don't say to our kids, because mom and dad said, but because the word says this. Because then, then when they get older, they don't even say, well, I believe, why do you believe this? Well, I mean, like my parents said it all the time. But to the best of our ability, we want to take them to the word. Um, it's, it's just incredibly important. That's a really good one, and we're getting a bunch of other really good ones, too. Okay, so we're going to go to the next one here, which is they saw the post, and they asked this question. It says, how do you know if you're being faithful to God in something you feel you're called to do? Or if instead you're just stuck in your own head and your own emotion? Um, it seems like this person is hitting a bunch of roadblocks to accomplish what they're feeling called, and society's telling them they can't, but yet they feel called to do it. And they don't want to get up. Sounds like they just don't want to miss God, but yet are fighting some uphill battles. Um, I think that's a really, really good question because it's, I think most every single person in here can think of something that they're like, I'd like to do it, I want to do it, I don't know if I should do it. Maybe it's thinking of branching into a new area in your business or switching jobs. There's these big things and you're like, well, should I? I kind of want to. Some people are telling me yes, some people are telling me no. And here's, here's the thing that I'm going to, let me just let you down really quick on that one. There's not 100%. You won't know. I know for some of you are like, wait, no, I, 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 I can know that I know that I know that I know. And I would argue that you cannot, that you will never know 100%. I will argue that you can never know 100%. Now, Colossians 3, verse 15 says this. This is the amplified version, and I'm going to read it. It's a little wordy, but it's great. It says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your heart deciding and settling questions that arise. The total peace, indeed you are called as members of the body and thankful to God always. It says, let the peace of God make the decisions that arise in your life. There's, a, there's just two types of peace. There's a peace that comes when everything is calm, right? Everything is good. Homework is done. Kids are quiet. Maybe you don't have any and it's just, that's just what you live in. That's different. Enjoy it. <laughs> but you just have this peace and things are done and things at work are good. And you're like, it's just good. But then there's another peace that comes. And that says there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes through the knowledge of God. And that's not based or anchored on anything in the world. That's not based on your circumstances or what is or isn't happening around you. That's based on what God's word says and you know is true. And that's the peace it's talking about here. When we seek God's direction, he gives us peace, not because the circumstances are, oh, everything's great. It's just going to work out. I see that A equals B, and then C is going to happen, and then D is going to happen. You could be like, I'm on G, and I should be on H, and what comes after D? I don't, I don't even know. But at the same time, when you're seeking God, it says the peace that passes all understanding that comes through the knowledge of God. When we're seeking God in those situations and with those questions, he gives us a peace that we don't have any other way. 
And I would say, you know, if you if you do um, have a very strong piece about that, um, the word says that the calling of God is irrevocable. And I look at Abraham and Sarah. I was actually just thinking this. Um, Abraham and Sarah, God told Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. And they were not able to conceive. And then they did. They, they had Isaac. Um, and then Isaac got married. And I, I, love, I love this because... When we are, you know, they were told, you will be the father of many nations. But then they ran into, like Samuel was saying, roadblock, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Um, Isaac, it says, when Isaac got married, it said, Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. I'm reading from Genesis 25 here. Um, because she was barren. So this is his wife, Rebecca. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. And we read that, and we think, oh, golly, seriously? Like, there are so many things that I have prayed for, and like, oh, she was barren, and oh, now she conceived. But if you look at that same chapter later on, verse 26, remember it said that he was 40 when he married his wife, and he prayed for her, and she conceived. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore the twins. That's 20 years of prayer for something God has already promised. Um, so I would just, I would really encourage you to, to have faith. We are, we are living in a world that, that doesn't have faith. We want everything now. Um, and we're conditioned to want everything now. And um, that, that struggle does, does make us stronger. And, and have faith. Just believe, believe God through it as as hard as it is and as long as it seems, believe him through it. He's faithful. Yep. I'm going to wrap up that question with Luke. This is Luke 16 and getting back to that 100% knowing. Because I think so many times we think, I'll, t- I'll do big things for you, God, but I need to know that it's you. I'll take that big step, but I need to know that I know that I know. And Luke 16, verse 27, this is talking about Lazarus and a rich man. And they're both dead. And Jesus told this. And the rich man was being tormented in Hades. And he says, the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, he could see Lazarus um, at Abraham's side. And he says this, it says, please, Father Abraham, at least send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Verse 29, but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they have wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And this is what I think is crazy. Verse 31, Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even though someone rises from the dead. I think that really just shows and speaks to the fact that we can reason away anything. We can reason away anything at all. You think, well, if I had an angelic visitation, you can reason away anything. Abraham says, it wouldn't be enough. If they don't believe, it would not be enough for them to see somebody raised from the dead. They would find a reason or an excuse to not believe. And there is a part, like what Becca said, where you take faith, where you pray, you seek God, and then you say, okay, do we have peace in this? And if you do, This is where faith comes in. You're going to take a step of faith and you're going to say, all right, we're going to do this. If you're married, that's what your spouse is for. Get up, make sure, if you're not on the same page, I would just say, stop. And 
Use them. Use them. Say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Are you feeling the same thing? Let's get on the same page. And until you are, I would just say, that would be it. When, it, when we, even when we were starting the church or thinking, talking about doing a church, not even starting, we just, just, what should we do? And we, we, I came back and I really feel God had spoke to me and said, you're going to pastor. And I came and told Becca and she's like, have fun. And I'm like, that's not what you're supposed to say. We talked about it and then we put it on hold. And like four months, three, four months later, was it? Finally, I was like, okay. If God spoke to me, he'll speak to you. If he doesn't speak to you, we're not doing this. And it says, I'm like, this is on God. If I heard God and he spoke to me, he will speak to you, just ask. And many of you have heard the story, so that's what she's did. Man, this thing's slippery. That's what she did. She took a couple of days and went and sought after God, and she called right at the very beginning. It's a great story, but she called and she goes, yeah, this is what we need to be doing. This is God. And then we both had peace. And that was fabulous because it wasn't I talked her into anything or I convinced her. It was like, take it up with God. We're doing this. Well, and that's, that's the thing is, you know, if he had convinced me, then when we hit roadblocks because they're going to come, then I would have said to him, oh, you did this. You made me do this. You got me into this. I didn't want to do it. You pushed me. Instead, he gave me the time to go to God. And it was awesome because now if we hit roadblocks, I reckon it with him. I don't reckon it with him. So it doesn't, it doesn't break between us. It, it's me going to God. So, yeah, it's good. All right. We got another one that just came in, so it won't be on your little list there. Oh, and this no. is what the question is. It says, why do people lift their hands in worship? It's a great question. So I grew up in a church where that's just what people did. We lifted their hands. We worshiped. When we started dating, I went to her church in Wisconsin, and I lifted my hands in worship because that's what you do. Like, you lift your hands in worship. And I get this, mm, like, poke little finger thing in my back. And it wasn't her. It was some strange guy who I've never met before behind me going, what are you doing? Put your hands down. And I was like, who's this guy? Like, that's weird. Why would he come to a church and be upset at that? And I look around, I'm like, I'm the only one. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Why aren't they worshiping? Like... And Beck's like, they don't, we, don't, we don't really do that here. So I, I can definitely understand that if you don't grow up with that, it's completely different. I grew up with it, walked into it, and was like, this is weird. They're all just standing here. You know, I actually had a conversation with our eight-year-old this week about this because, um, because he kind of ran into a few issues. And, and I cannot find the scripture reference right now, so you guys will have to help me with that. Um, we'll, we'll look it up later. But um, he said, well, you know, you know what three of my favorite things are? And I said, I don't, I don't know what they are. He said, well, singing, dancing, and worshiping. And, and playing musical instruments, you know? And, and I said, well, th- those are great. Those are great things. He said, yeah, but do you know why I don't do it that often? And I said, I, no, I, I have no clue. And he said, well, you know, one of my friends said that I looked really stupid, you know? And, and I said to him, I was like, you know, David, when he was bringing, when they had gotten the Ark of the Covenant back and he was bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem, um, he came up, and he was married to Mikal, um, Saul's daughter, and she was so embarrassed because he was just acting crazy. He was so excited worshiping before the ark. 
And David said, I, I will be even crazier than this. I will act even crazier than this if it is to honor my king, if it is to honor and glorify my king. And so, um, you know, just with my son, David Crowder actually wrote a song called, um, what is it called? I will even more undignified. There we go. Um, undignified, because that's the word that it uses in the scripture. David says, I will be even more undignified than this if it is to worship my Savior. And so um, I guess that's one of the things. There are ways to worship in quiet and worship in peace, and we are called to that as well, but I think there's a, a time for everything. And when we all get together, it's exciting to get to worship in a place where we can raise our hands. And that doesn't mean you have to, but please feel free to raise your hands. Please feel free to shout out that this is, this is for God. This is not for the people next to us. Um, and there are so many different ways to do that. All right. Then I'm just going to read a couple of quick little verses here that I found when she was looking that up. Uh, Psalms 134 verse 2 says this, lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. First uh, Timothy 2, 8 says this, therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Um, you know, we, we worship in different ways, but we, our desire is most definitely that people, when they come in, um, would feel comfortable worshiping and just realizing that oh, this is me praising God. And if for you that's raising your hands, raise your hands. If for you, it's just, you're like, I just need to close my eyes, then close your eyes. If you need to get on your knees, then get on your knees. If you need to come to the altar, then come to the altar. Um, church speak for the front area. There you go. But whatever it is, if like, this is what I need to do, I want to praise God. I want to get humble before him. And this might look weird to people around me, but this isn't for them. This is what I want to do. I want to praise God. That's what worship is supposed, a big part of worship is supposed to be. All right. Well, we got a few more. All right. This one here. Should we ignore prophecy? Um, the answer to that is absolutely no. I believe it's 1 Thessalonians 5 that says, and I'm paraphrasing, don't ignore prophecy. Uh, no, we definitely do not ignore prophecy. You know, the Bible talks about in Timothy that God gave apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, all to the saints, to the body of Christ, for the edifying of the saints. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So if you think that we as pastors have a role, then you need to also believe that the Bible says that prophets have a role and that prophecy should not be ignored. Prophecy in scripture or prophets today. Um, it definitely has a role. Much of the Bible is prophecy. So if you say, if you're going to ignore prophets, you need to ignore much of the Bible, of what was written in there. Now, the Bible does have some very strict standards when it comes to prophecy. Uh, in the Old Testament, they said, if somebody prophesies in my name and it doesn't come true, kill them. Okay? We, we don't, we don't, we don't do practice that. that here, just so you know. You're like grabbing your coat like I am on my road. <laughs> no, but it is a very high standard of if somebody's going to say something, the Bible says, let everything be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. If somebody gives you a, a drive-by word, somebody comes up, the, thus says the Lord, you better know. 
before you act on it, you say, okay, does this line up with the word of God? You check scripture. God's not going to contradict himself. Okay? If your spouse says, God's telling me I'm supposed to divorce. Well, the Bible says God hates divorce. And it might be permitted, but God hates divorce. Only God's going to tell you to do something that he hates. Now, there might be situations where it is allowed because of abuse. You're like, you can't live in that. But God is not going to tell you to do something. So we do check prophecy. And we say, okay, if this is what somebody says. Does it line up with the word of God? Can I find a scripture? Is this a biblical principle in here? Um, I can't find that. You talk to somebody before you just go and act on it. Um, I went to Bible school. And when I got there, I uh, met a was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And turns out uh, there was a girl that also went to Bible school. And she went down there because somebody at her home church told her she was supposed to, somebody came up and prophesied to her that she was to go to the same Bible school that I was and that she was going to marry my older brother. So she moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma from Michigan and went to the same Bible school that I did thinking she was going to marry my brother. She didn't. Um, and I was just like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, and here's the thing I would just say about prophecy. God is not weird. People can be. And when you think of prophecy, if you're getting a weird picture in your mind, you're probably getting the people side of it. God is not weird. People can be. Yeah. And I, I would add to that, um, a few different things. One is we actually do cover the gift of prophecy in our growth track as well, because it does, I mean, especially if you find your gifts to be things like encouragement, exhortation, or discernment, um, you do want to um, see and develop those gifts if it's a gift that God has given you. Um, I would say that um, somebody once said to me, oh, you, you're, you're prophet. And I had Old Testament prophecy in my head, right? So I was like, nah, no, <laughs> no. If you know anything about me, I am not some weirdo walking around in the desert naked, okay? Like, I need to be around people. I'd be there. <laughs> that just got even more weird. Okay, <laughs> anyhow, let's just scrub that. Um, um, no, if you look at the New Testament, I was talking to somebody, and, and when I was talking with them, they said, well, you're thinking Old Testament prophecy. They said, if you look at the Old Testament, quite often it was somebody from the outside that came in with one word, and then they were gone. And every single time they came, the people were like, oh, man, what's he doing here? Like, oh, he's going to ruin our party. And, you know, it was always this negative thing. Well, when you, when you look at the New Testament, when Jesus came, lived, and died, he changed everything. He changed everything. And so when you look at the New Testament, prophets are listed as a part of the body. They're not listed as something outside anymore. They're listed as a part of the body. And so when you look at um, exhortation, encouragement, um, discernment, those are things that help make up prophecy. And if you believe that you have that gift, just saying God's word to people is, is starting that, is, is fostering that gift. So God loves you. I feel like, I feel like God is saying, is, is saying he really loves you. He really cares about you. Those are speaking God's word over people is the first step into that. All right. And another one. Is marijuana okay? <laughs> I don't know where that came up. That seems up out of the blue. Not that that's been in any news or anything anywhere. Um, here, I'm going to go right to the Bible on this one. Ephesians 5 
18 says this. It says, do not be drunk. And it doesn't list a specific beverage that causes it, but it's talking about an inebriated state. And I believe that anything that really takes you and messes with your mind leaves you exposed and vulnerable to the devil because our spiritual battlefield is the mind. It's our mind. The Bible says we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, okay, in dark places. So we cannot, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. If you are not mentally able to resist the devil, he's not going to flee. So anything, whether it's prescription or not, that really messes with your mind, I warn against. The Bible says don't get drunk, but be filled by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now there's... Oh, well, no, no, no. I was just—I thought he was going to go into the medical side of it. I'm like, that's me. That's my expertise. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would—I would add to that. Just First um, Peter five eight: Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And um, yeah, anytime our our mind is altered, that's not good. Now, any of you that know much about marijuana probably know there are two different um, elements. There's THC. There's um, CBD. Um, THC is the mind-altering substance. Now, there is a CBD, it's an oil that's derived from the same plant that has been used for chemotherapy and it's now medically allowed and it, it helps with a lot of different things. I would say, you know, I remember being on Vicodin for something and being like, oh, this crazy loopy and, and, and crazy. It's, it's not something that we want to be addicted to. It depends, I would say it depends on what your motive is for using it as well. You know, I don't think Vicodin is any better than CBD oil when it comes to uh, uh, an alternative method um, to help with things. But I don't think we want to be addicted to anything. I mean, I, I the last three days I've broken off of coffee and I only had one or two coffees a day. And I mean, the last three afternoons, my head has been pounding because I want coffee. I don't want, I don't want to be a slave to anything at all. I don't care if it's caffeine. I don't care if it's marijuana. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's a drug. I don't care what it is. I don't want to be a slave to anything. So um, yeah, I would really, I would be very, very, very careful when it comes to that. All right. Great job. Thanks, love. And we've got the, another one. And it says this, when do you allow your kids to go to sleepovers? Um, I think this one falls in that number three category that we talked about, which is opinion. And I would go back to Colossians, which we talked about with that, that second question, which is, do you have peace about it? Um, and again, you and your spouse should be on the same page. And when you guys have peace, you say yes. And if you don't have peace, you say no. And we, I know of couples that they just, they're like, we don't have peace. And their kids have never, ever had a single sleepover at somebody else's house, ever. And they're not, they're, they're, they're adults. They grew up, they made it. Um, they seem to be functioning okay. It didn't kill them. They've got all their hands and legs and things. You know, um, I actually had some not great experiences when it came to this because um, I think a lot of times parents don't want don't want to look like they're judging or don't want to um, make people feel left out. Your kids are the not are, are not the place to to fight that battle. Um, you know, I I remember a few times growing up. Um, 
being in at different, I went to a birthday party and I just, I, the whole time I was just so uncomfortable. I wanted to go home. I remember going to a sleepover and we didn't know the people very well and they put on a, a horror movie. I think I was 12 years old and I had never watched any, I mean, I mean, Puff the Magic Dragon was probably the scariest thing I, I had ever seen. Um, back to marijuana. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> whoa, okay. Um, Anyhow, they put on a horror movie, and I remember I was, it was like, even to this day, there's no way I would turn it on. And I remember sitting on the bottom bunk of my friend's bed and just holding the blankets in and just sobbing. And I didn't have a cell phone, and her parents came up, and they were making fun of me. Like, they, they were making fun of me as a kid. And, and so I had some experiences like that, and we aren't going to be able to protect our kids from everything. Thank Thank the Lord that we have his protection. Thank the Lord that we, that we have healing from things like that. Um, but your kids are not the place to fight the um, politically correct battle. They, the, the word says, um, uh, I don't have the exact reference, but you're, oh, be, um, Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, the womb a reward. Um, you know, let let's treat them like that. And I would rather, I would rather look dumb or look judgmental and try to be as sweet as possible about it and just say, you know, no, thank you. Or, you know, we'll pass this time. Then, then compromise when it comes to my peace. And if you have peace, go for it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, I would just say, be united with your spouse. Be on the same page. Where there's unity, the Lord commands his blessing. You want unity when it comes to raising kids. You want unity in your house. Get on the same page and do it behind closed doors if at all possible. Don't do that in front of your kids. You don't need to be arguing it out in front of them. Get on the same page. Be a united front. Go out there and say, this is what we're going to do, and this is, this is why we just think this is best this time. Whether it's yes, whether it's no, whether it's yes every time or no every time. Um, that's our opinion, and that's how we would we would go for that. We'll do one more here. And then all the questions that we did not get, we'll start with next week, all the ones that we did not get to. I'm going to start with this one, or end with this one. How and to what level do you prioritize kids? Oh, you skipped my favorite one. You can answer this. I can answer this. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says this. Ephesians 5.31 says this. It says, Scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother to be joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. When you get married, you two become one, and you raise children. You're one, and you have children. Um, especially when they're young, they take up a whole lot of time and energy and everything else. However, you two are one, and you raise children. So as, as far as prioritizing, we prioritize our relationship with God. God is number one, then my spouse, and then my family. So it is my spouse first. And there's times where my kids are like, well, can I? And I'm like, no, I'm talking to your mom. Can I play with you guys? We'll play board games. We're dorks, major dorks. If you didn't know that, here it is. We're into the... Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride we right now. We just call it trains because oh, we have kids. Trains. So they're just we like, you want to play the, the train box. game? Like, who wears out We've boxes of board games? Month. We're major dorks. But there's times it's like, no, we're playing this game and the kids can't play. Like, this is our time to play the game. Like, it's, 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 we're, we're having game time. Yeah, and you know, we're raising our kids. We're raising our kids 
to go out and be productive in the world, not be consumers. We, you know, I feel like there are many people who, um, who have a me, me, me mentality, um, and and I think it's good for them to, um, for them to learn how to serve, for them to learn how to wait, for them to see the good things that are coming later in life. Because as adults, we know, being a kid, we kind of had it made right? As adults, we're kind of like, oh, you know what? We have some things that we have to deal with that we didn't have to deal with when we were kids. And we want our kids to be, to be able to do that. And so um, empowering them um, by, by making them wait for things, by our kids do the dishes. Um, <laughs> the other day, our oldest said to us, not, this is not something I would recommend saying to a parent, but the other, um, the other day, our oldest said, how about you and dad do the dishes sometime? Uh, which I we said, do do the dishes no. sometime. And Sarah's like, how about you do the dishes all the time? <laughs> Anyhow, so we want, we want to raise kids that are able to work in the world and are able to wait, are able to cooperate, are able to be producers, not consumers, um, and, and givers. And so, you know, sometimes when it comes to us, prioritize them. If you're prioritizing anything about them, prioritize the fact that you're raising them to go and be in the world with everybody else. So if you make them number one all the time, they're going to go out and they're going to want to be number one all the time. And that's not reality. At the other side of that, I don't know exactly what you were thinking when whoever, whoever asked the question. So there's the, in, in the marriage relationship, you're going to prioritize your spouse above your kids. Okay. Then the other side of that is just the amount of time, events, and things that our kids can get. And if you have more than one, and then you get two and three and four and six and 10, and suddenly you're like, this one needs to be over here, and this one needs to go over here, and this one's supposed to be in this over here, and this one joined this, and now they're over here, and they've got practice. Who threw this practice in, and this is supposed to be over here? And some of them are driving themselves over here, and you look, and you're like, they're always gone, and who's raising them, and when am I spending time? And if, if you're asking that side of it, there isn't that side of it, and here's what I would recommend when it comes to that, is to sit down on paper, be strategic, look and say, okay, how much time am I spending with my kids? Where are they spending all their time? Where, and prioritize it and say, okay, you're only allowed to spend X amount of time here or this is where you need to be here and schedule some family time or family activities and, and things like that, but really look at it. And if you have young kids, I think it's even, don't think, oh, this doesn't apply to me yet. They're not really in that season. I would say start now. Be strategic about where you're spending time and how you're doing it. I think it's a lot easier to, as they get older, let out a little bit, little bit more freedom or a little more activities than it is to suddenly say, no, you're not going to do this or this or this. We're pulling you or we're pulling you out of these sports. You're not doing them this time. Why? Because you're just doing too many. It's way easier to slowly to let them out and let them have more freedom than to suddenly have to pull it back. But be strategic about that. Um, Because we're raising kids. We're raising them to be godly. Um, Let's just be honest. If they graduate with a 4.0, but they don't love God, I've failed. I'd like both, but the number one thing that I want for my kids is for them to have a godly relationship. Because the one thing that's sure that we all know that's going to happen is we're all going to die. Congratulations. (laughs) It's going to happen or Jesus is going to come back. So the number one thing that I want to make sure for my kids is that they have a great relationship with God. So what am I going to prioritize? I prioritize church. 
I prioritize them reading the Bible, they're going to go to church whether they like it or not. Learn to like it. Make friends there. I have a really good line for that. Do it. Education is important. Jesus is important her. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever get to say that from stage. That was fun. <laughs> and it's true. It really is. It is so, so important. So prioritize that. Take a look at it and say, what do I want from my kids? Where do we want them to be? I think it's a great segue into this question as we're closing is not just for your kids, but every single person that's in here. Do you have a relationship with God? Because that is, it's the number one most important thing. We will all die one day. We know that. But do you know where you stand with God? It's not something you have to guess. It's not something you find out when you, get mar- when you die. I almost said married. I don't know where that came from. It's not like death. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> but we're all going to die. And it's not something you have to wait for. But you can know today. You can know right now. The Bible says in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross, we will be saved. But it's not, it's so much more than that. It's not just something, it's not just knowing, but it's living out the plans and the purpose that God has for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's really living that out right now. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. So, so much more than just knowing when you die, but living that out right now. So we're going to take just two minutes if you'd bow your heads. Everybody, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here this morning and you say, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if I was to die. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never asked him to forgive me, but I want to know that I'm forgiven, that I'm on my way to heaven. And I want to begin to walk out the plans and the purposes that he has for me. If that's you this morning, or if you say, there's a time I was living for God, but I've turned my back on him, but today I'm going to declare I'm coming back. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. And this is what we'll do. If, these, if those are either of you, then in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, you can shoot your hand up and then right in your seat, right where you are, we're going to pray. And we'll all just pray together. And when we say amen, you can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're forgiven and on your way to heaven. So if that's you, if this is your first time, or if you're saying, you know what? I'm coming back. Then on the count of three, just shoot your hands up in the air. Get ready. You're saying, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. And I want to know I'm on my way to heaven. Get ready. One, two, three, all the way up. Say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. I want to be forgiven. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with God, then I am on my way to heaven. Here's what I want you to do. Let's everybody just repeat after me. We're going to say this prayer together with those that lifted their hands. And those that lifted your hands, as you say this prayer, make these words your own and say them from your heart. And when we say amen, God is here. He's in this place. He can hear you. And when you say amen, your sins are going to be forgiven. You're going to be on your way to heaven. So everybody just repeat after me. If you would say, Jesus, thank you for saving me, for sending your son to die for me for shedding his blood so I could be free forgive me and make me new with all that I am I want to serve you and from now on I'm yours come rule and reign in my life in Jesus name amen 
Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.